0: Welcome back to Rome Boys. On this episode, we have a special guest, Father Bill Peckman. Yes.
1: Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs>
2: Exciting! Thank you, Father, for joining us. You're
3: welcome.
2: Joe doesn't know when to use those pauses, you know, for intensity purposes. Pause for effect.
0: Pause for effect. (laughs) Pause for effect. Yeah, well, I I pause and expect somebody to jump in and say something, (laughs) but it's just me talking or not talking. A little bit about Father Beck Peckman. Excuse me. Father Peckman is approaching 25 years as an ordained priest Mm -hmm. for the Diocese of Jefferson City. Now, have you spent all 25 years in Jefferson City Diocese? Yes. Yes. Wow. Awesome. How lucky are they? Okay. He grew up as an Army brat. In sixth grade, he became Catholic. Went to high school seminary and college seminary. Ended up leaving the seminary and the church, becoming an agnostic because of things he saw in the seminary in the 80s. Oh, that was a fun time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) eventually came back to the faith and seminary currently the pastor of four parishes dude (laughs) and one of them has a school oh Oh my my goodness (laughs) gracious so you're not busy (laughs) on his when he has free time he's an avid hiker he has a cigar bourbon beer and wine snob nice we didn't say that, you said that. We'll get into that a little later. <laughs> <way. Yeah. laughs> I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. He co-authored Let Freedom Ring with Father Richard Heilman and Father James Altman. He has two dogs, we hope to hear them soon. <laughs> Founded a summer well, camp for high school boys in 2009 called Camp Maccabee. How cool. He is the author of the book A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare, which we are going to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, for joining us. You're welcome. This is a treat. So, how's yeah. the weather up there? You're in Missouri, correct? Cold. Yeah, northern Missouri. Northern. It's cold.
4: Ah, really? really?
0: Supposed to get below freezing tonight again.
4: Ooh.
0: Wow. wow! I think we're supposed to be 92 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That's West Texas. We're yeah. in the
0: middle of West Texas. We're kind of on the line of between East and West Texas, and basically it's the desert. So you know, it's hot. Yep.
2: Yeah. I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask okay. you a question about your bio. So. How or why did you become Catholic in sixth grade? Tell me about that.
4: Well, that's rather simple. My dad said we were going to become Catholic. That's oh. uh, <laughs> all you know, that cliffhanger. My dad was Presbyterian. My mom was Catholic, so we avoided those two churches. And at sixth grade, dad just got tired of it, and he became Catholic, and the kids became Catholic.
2: Okay. Wow.
4: And we did it in the buckle of the Bible belt. Ah, yeah, in the buckle.
1: <laughs> in the buckle. I like That's it. where you find hardcore Catholics there. I mean, those oh, are yeah. some good Catholics.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I got to ask now, okay, since we opened that door, how did mom take that? About becoming Catholic? Yeah.
4: Well, she was relieved. It made oh. the weekend a lot easier. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. I was expecting he, some kind of, you know, push back. <laughs> push back. Spiritual no, battle.
5: No.
2: You can both. No, go- uh,
4: yeah, my dad's parents weren't thrilled with it. They were Presbyterians and rather anti-Catholic. So, mm, sure, wow. So when their only child and their only grandchildren became Catholic, it was an issue. Yeah. But, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Right, Presbyterians
0: right. don't like Catholics. What? <laughs> oh, well, there's no. some differences there. This is <laughs> <some differences. laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, we're Presbyterians too. They just don't realize it, right?
4: Well, you know, it's funny because the other side, my mom's side of the family, my grandfather was Catholic, and when I got ordained, both the Catholic and the Presbyterian churches put congratulations out on their uh, front signs. Oh There yeah. you go. <laughs>
2: See, we're all one family. They all worked out. They're just trying to, yeah, grasp that claim to fame. He was ours. <laughs> <laughs> he was ours first. Yeah. So, um, you went to high school seminary. Yeah, it
4: um, is now gone, of course, but uh, we were living in Missouri at the time, and, uh, you know, I entertained ideas of priesthood. My next-door neighbor, his son was in the seminary, and he said something to me, and then the priest that we had was a really good guy and kind of inspired me to think about it, and so I went to the high school seminary, and they were very happy years, Um, and then went to the college seminary. I'm not going to say which one because it's since cleaned up its act, and All I can say is when 2002 came around, I was completely unsurprised. Wow. So. Yeah.
2: Wow. The world is full of uh, unsurprised surprises. Yeah, yeah. unsurprising <laughs> yeah. surprises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, that was a cliffhanger. I was waiting for you what you were
0: going to say. Yeah, watch out. You don't,
2: yeah, you never know.
0: <laughs> well, we'll try not to go there. But if you had five minutes oh,
2: yeah, this is to preach this a is This is our favorite question.
0: To every Catholic in the world, what would you say? Five minutes, every Catholic. Sum it up in two words Wake up. (laughs) Seriously.
4: I mean, it's all a variation of repent, you know, and Uh and believe the good news. So, um, the majority of my homilies go in that direction as far as, you know, we need to wake up to what's going on. Um, The devil owns the fence. And so, not having to opinion is having an opinion and not doing anything is doing something and so it's why I founded the camp that I founded, That's why I wrote the books I've written, it's just that general call to wake up and start taking back the reins so to speak in our spiritual lives and yeah. not being a passive, that's word I'm looking for, passive
0: lukewarm? Well uh, because as you were talking I about that, I these
4: moments where I'm just the words on the tip of my tongue and I can't think what to say. Hey, you're I'm good right. company. <laughs> a passive observer. Oh ah, yeah, there you go. Okay.
2: Yeah, riding the bench. You know what this makes me think of though is on maybe some of the other side of the conversation. Uh, if you're not um, if you're not saying something about anti-racism, then you are a racist. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of a, a you know in-your-face. If yeah. you're not doing something about these, if you're not standing up for uh, supporting um, LGBT, you know, then, then, then you're against us, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're not for us, right. you're against us.
5: Yeah.
2: It's, I love that you're taking the stance the, the, in, in, in this direction, though, right? Like,
4: it's right. because
2: God's calling us to do these things, no? Right.
4: Well, I think it was the gospel back on Wednesday where the gospel was oh, – no, it was yesterday – um, if you're not He who is not with me is against me mm-hmm. He who is not um, gathered with me scatters Yeah So yeah. Jesus compels the choice So yes, Constantly bringing that up to people And um, I do a lot on social media And the last couple of days I've been talking about Transactional Catholicism
5: hmm.
4: Where hmm. it's kind of you know I come to church because I want stuff And oh. I give oh in the collection because I think this is what the stuff I'm getting is worth mm. huh. but that it really
2: doesn't sink
4: into our day-to-day lives.
1: That consumerism mentality
5: yeah.
2: yeah. Oh man yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes it so rigid. It's not about accepting God's love and, and sharing your joy from it right?
0: Well I mean what's the most people complain about mass? I don't get anything out of it. You know and so yeah they put it in the collection box which like you said what they think it's worth you know it's like they're buying a ticket. Mm. Yeah, you know, entertain me. This is my admission. Every so, time
4: somebody does that to me, I say, "What did you bring?" Yes, there you
2: go. <laughs> go. Hopefully, yourself and you pour a yourself completely your out. Yeah, yeah, you're
4: there for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes. clears
0: throat>
2: Here I am. Yeah. So that was a, a fast two minute. I'm in mean a five minute homily, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good job.
0: Wake uh, up.
4: Like so, up. are you
2: seeing some resistance in your social media?
4: not really um what are you doing with you i'm a bit rigid some people think that i don't go far enough right so i figure if the two extremes don't like me i'm doing fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds like jesus yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) well i'm glad you said that tony but i was gonna say we we kind of see the same stuff yes you know like you guys aren't hardcore enough in these you know traditional areas or whatever um and We're just sharing what the the gospel in the church. That's what I was
1: saying about you to the guys. I'm like, he goes right to where the line is, you know, and we need to. John the Baptist did that, right? The saints do that. You know, you go right there. You push people to become a saint, you know, and to live your Catholic faith in an orthodox way, in a hardcore way, in a
4: bold way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not a
1: lot of priests like you out there. So thank
3: you.
4: (laughs) Well, part of it is I do it because I figure that I'm called father for a reason, Mm Mm-hmm. And a good dad pushes his kids, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, you know, browbeat them, but he pushes them to be something greater. And, you know, that's part of my job as a pastor is to keep calling, calling, people, uh, repentance. Of that, um, calling people to, you know, a deeper relationship with Christ, with the church, and, you know, a greater integration of faith into how they live their lives. And, you know, in my family, it was mom that always told me to be nice and good and all that. And it was dad that always pushed me to exit. So,
5: mm-hmm.
4: you know, that always pushed me to, you know, stretch out a little bit more and to take on a little bit more and to be a little bit more brave and courageous. That's awesome. And, so,
1: and, and your soul is on the line, too. I mean, you signed,
4: right. you're you a priest for yeah. For God.
1: Like, you're. that's your calling. You're going to have to answer to God, too. I think a lot of priests okay. forget that.
4: And the scriptures tell us the shepherds are going to get the harshest judgment. So because mm-hmm. of what God placed into our care. So. Yes, and
2: constantly reminded of Ezekiel three eighteen. You know, don't tell somebody and the blood is now the the sin is on two people's soul, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you've got a lot of sheep in the flock. Yeah. <laughs> so. yes, <I> do. Especially <laughs> with social media, man. Oh, four parishes. <laughs> yeah, that right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I find it interesting, you know, like you said, you you go straight to the line, as Tony said. You know, because in the long run, we're not left, we're not right, we're Catholic.
4: Amen. Right. And I want my Christians not to be able to stand before God and tell him they never knew. Yes. Mm. I was never told. I was never told.
2: So at least I've accomplished that. Yeah. I got a question. What do you mean, uh, you talk about going to the line, what do you mean that the devil owns the fence? That's good.
4: A lot of times we kind of take this attitude that I can ignore a situation so I don't have to choose a side. So, yeah, oh. it's kind of, I say, the fence belongs to the cowards as well. Yeah. I, I don't want to take a stance one way or the other. And the devil's very happy to have us live as cowards. Hmm. Amen to that. And, it's so so, and so. true. And so the devil does belong to the, the fence does belong to the devil because it's that, you know, lack of having a backbone of, you know, of courage to take a stand that, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it goes back to Revelations, how I wish you were warm or cold, Mm -hmm. because you're warm, I will spit you from my mouth, Mm -hmm. and the Greek word actually that appears there is more of like projectile vomiting as opposed to (laughs) such a... A violent act. It's, that's what God thinks of lukewarmness. Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's some imagery there. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to be on the fence. I mean, it's a great analogy. Right. And another one of the quotes, I think, uh, Tony, that you were sharing uh, was uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist, right?
4: Yeah,
1: yeah you start out right. your book that way. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I, I think most people might recognize the line it was in the movie The Usual Suspects. Um, I think it was the villain, Sizer Jose, that says it.
2: The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist.
4: But it goes further back about a century. But there's a lot of wisdom in that, in that if we don't think there is a devil, then we can't fight it.
5: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
4: if we don't fight him, we get run over by him. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah, there's. There's no uh, battle between good and evil. It's between the devil and us, right? right. Uh, and so, I wonder. I wonder
1: what percentage of Catholics know that they're in a spiritual battle.
2: Single digits.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right.
4: And, mm-hmm. and I say that because if only 35 percent of Catholics believe that the Blessed Sacrament is really the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ,
5: mm-hmm.
4: that hmm. that's something that's central that a belief like we're in this idea of spiritual warfare, which by the way is in the scriptures and the catechism yes, is, you know, even lower. And certainly, you know, one of the things I said in the introduction to the book is when I was in the seminary, I was never taught these things. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't that it was a waste of time going to the seminary because it was more of the technical, you know, we talked about Christology and the sacraments and things like this, mm-hmm. but really the spiritual element of, um, what we were up against was barely there there at all. Oh. And so I think a lot of priests don't talk about this because it was never presented to them as a reality. Hmm. It was never
0: taught. Huh. Right.
1: I, I can relate to that. I mean, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, no talk about the real presence, of the Eucharist, uh, the importance of Our Lady and our relationship with God. Uh, we rarely prayed, and I'm like, "How do
3: I, you know, yeah. by the
1: grace of God told us, to us and you're doing the Camp Maccabee thing, young people need to hear these truths. And I, tell these, I told the guys even a few minutes ago, like, every one of my talks, I want to make sure that everybody in the room knows that Jesus is in the church, in the tabernacle, because I was never told, so we
4: can't assume that they have been told. Right. Yeah, I mean, most of us in our catechism and schools were taught to be nice. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, good, be an offensive.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that, need some meat, and some that's substance. That, yeah, <laughs>
0: just be good. Everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, I had a dad that was just the
4: opposite because he was very much with the understanding of spiritual warfare. Also,
2: so cool.
4: Um, even though you know, the schools never mentioned anything. The seminary never mentioned anything. My dad brought that to the table. Awesome! Wow.
2: So, so I'm, I'm guessing because you had that influence, maybe you see others who don't have that influence and see it as a problem in our society today, no? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's <clears throat> I always try to be a solution finder, mm-hmm. and how can we reach out and help them? And Rome Boys is, is one of the ways that we do that, by having these conversations and talking about real stuff. And it's great. One of the things that we, we always think, are we doing what God's calling us to do? Are we doing the right thing? And I think about all the things that you're doing, and I just imagine, like, gosh, God's calling you to do these things and you're, you're, you're taking action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been an awesome experience to just say, Hey, yeah, we're going to get in front of a microphone and we're going to, we're going to talk about this stuff. And we're just three dads, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> who cares about what dads have to say? I mean, society has kind of pushed us to yeah, the fringe. That's
4: true. And the funny thing is, is I, and I told uh, people this when they come to have their um, children baptized. And so we do the classes beforehand I will look at the dads and I will say, You are the single most factor, greatest factor in whether your children will adopt the faith. Mm -hmm. The way that you live the faith is ultimately how they will live the faith.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. You know, live that responsibility accordingly.
0: Yes. Well, I got a question. I mean, you were just talking about, you know, I always ask a young priest or whatever, you know, did you have my brother went through the seminary? I said, during your whole formation, was there any economics class, you know, on how to run a business? Because Ew. when you Ew. run a parish, you got to have that kind of formation. But there wasn't none. I know you said that. But well, in
4: my agnostic years, I actually worked in business. Oh, there you go. It. Okay,
0: so you had that background already. But most of these well, I young guys brought don't. That background
4: backing to the seminary.
0: Yeah. yeah, but now you're. What I'm feeling kind of shocked here that you're saying that there was no formation when it comes to the spiritual battle that that's not being taught. Is there any change? Has there been any change since you have been? In, were in the seminary?
4: Judging by the priests that are coming out now that I know in my own diocese, um, I would say they're doing something. I might be wrong on that, but I'm just seeing a different um, type of priest coming out.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
4: They're much more serious about their what they're doing and much more, I should I say, evangelizing.
5: Good. Oh, that's encouraging to hear that.
4: Understanding, um, you know, the church's as relationship as opposed to the church as a store.
5: Mm.
4: Yeah. Thank, well, you, hey.
1: thank you for that hope.
4: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: for us and for our kids and their and, kids. And-
2: you know, I always think about if we, if we see uh, maybe the contraction of the church um, and maybe uh, men going into seminaries, and if those numbers are smaller, generally when you get down to that concentration level, you get the hardcore guys. Isn't that right? called
1: the Benedict method? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Quality over quantity, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Let's bring the fire.
1: A more pure church and solid. Mm-hmm.
2: So in the school, uh, do you have some participation? Like, what, what's your role in helping the school of the four parishes that you work with?
4: Um, based on the spiritual leader, so we're adding things, you know. So, for example, there's regular confession now for gifts on a monthly basis. Awesome. Uh we're teaching them. Um, I didn't add it this year, but I'm adding it next year. Um, we do add a racing um several times a month. And so the kids are going, but I want to add Benediction next year and the Angelus. Then I go into the classrooms and right now I just started a um class with the 8th graders on I'm using Chris Stephansk's absolute um relativism. Yeah. Ooh, it's good. So and, and the kids are responding very well to it. So and then I get involved with uh, two youth groups in my major parishes, and then I spent a good deal of the summer with um, three different camps. So wow, that's great! And I, one that I founded um, for Camp Mac- Camp Mackey, which is for the high school boys. Diocese just formed one for uh, junior high students called Camp Lolek,
5: mm-hmm. after
4: um, yeah. St. John's. second Mm -hmm. and then my camp or my parishes have another camp camp polton after augustine polton who was born maybe about 30 miles from where i'm sitting right now Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're all just very solid but i would give a great deal of time to those camps and just um, being present and answering questions
2: it's that fatherly influence is kind of what I was thinking, you know, because like, you have that moment in those kids' lives where that could be the one thing that they need.
1: And I'm sure right. through those camps, you, you're seeing these young men, and as they get older, doing great things, you know, for yeah. the church. And it's so beautiful to see how the seed was planted, and now they're springing forth.
4: Yeah, we're seeing kids that started with the camp that are now priests. Awesome. Uh, oh, wow. So, and just really solid marriages. Good and are being leaders in their parishes. So it's mm-hmm. great to do that.
0: Yes. I love how you said solid marriages yeah. because, I mean, as soon as you said well, you've seen some of these boys come out and are become priests, my response automatically was awesome. And then you said solid marriages. I was like, whoa, we don't focus on we that enough. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah,
4: we need
5: both.
0: Yes.
4: I've made a practice in every parish that I'm in that we pray for vocations, and not just the priesthood and religious life. That's a, that's one and then one for marriage.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So that's that. actively things like cohabitation and you know the misuse of sexuality outside of marriage. And I think a lot of times things something like cohabitation has become so dominant because we have been so quiet.
2: Yeah, yes. I, I yeah I, seriously Conceptor I've never mentality. heard somebody else say it, I've never heard a priest say it. I've said it every chance I get. I say it
1: every chance I get because nobody saying it again. But yes. <laughs> These truths that people I need I love
2: hear. the in your
0: face. Yeah. I love it's it's just real and face. it's yeah. simple.
4: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you know, the devil's in our face all the time, yes. the world's in our face all the time. This idea that we have to soft
0: pedal everything mm-hmm. is
2: crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like we're going to offend somebody and not uh it just makes no sense it's to like me like
0: you go out every day and you're walking already walking on thin ice just trying not oh, yeah. to touch anybody hurt anybody's feelings yeah. and you know just don't talk about your faith because you're gonna hurt somebody's feelings yeah okay wow. and we go back to jesus we go
1: back to the saints none of them had that approach
4: yeah right <laughs> right and I mean, we, the last person that told me I triggered them, I just looked and said, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, you love them and you care about yeah. their soul. That's why right. I care about their soul, but and I care about their soul enough to tell them the truth. And Amen. if they get triggered, that's just okay. Yes. Yeah, well, they, if
0: they if they're triggered, something deep down inside them tells them it's wrong. Absolutely. Yes. Right.
2: And that's why they're mad.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. if they have no response, the only response is emotion, and right. they're just going to get mad.
2: Yeah. And anger is the universal language of control, they think. You know? Right. So. Um, Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so you also authored um, with um, Father Heilman and uh, James Altman, right? Uh, yeah. Let Freedom Ring. So how's the response been to that? How was that process?
4: That was, it was kind of a sudden I was on a retreat and I'd been uh, friends with Father Heilman for years. And I told him and I said, you know, I got this idea um, about a 40-day devotional in which we talk about, you know, struggling against the devil and beating him. Mm. And it was a God moment because within three days, we started the writing of it. Wow. Wow. And in seven days, it went on to his website, um, Grace Force, and we started putting it out there. And we were writing it as we were putting the stuff
5: out. What? Wow.
4: And then we were approached, we never thought about writing a book per se. We were just kind of, you know, doing this. And then we were approached about putting into book form. Wow. So what we did in it is we took 40 um, sins and talked about freedom away from that. What do you do to break away from these things? That's great. It was about a virtue that you grasp a hold of.
1: Similar to your book, right? You go through the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Mine was basically um, taking elements of Let Freedom Ring and bringing it down to where you could hand it to a high school student or a college student.
1: Or my level 2 <laughs> <No>, attorney. <I'm>
2: <laughs> we normally look at Joe when we're talking <laughs>
4: about <to> say, <laughs> this is a book for me. Yeah. Yeah, initially I'd written a much more academic book and I have a wonderful editor. This is going to go flying above people's heads and so I said okay have that to put it in something that will work.
2: Yeah. So what a, that's a, a timely wow. title too just yeah. let freedom ring as far as like a patriotic Stands oh, for your spiritual
1: faith. Spiritual warfare. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> got my attention. <laughs> yeah.
4: And we put that because it was released just after July 4th is when we started. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. We were one to end on the Feast of the Assumption. Okay. Smart. smart. Perfect. So that 40-day period.
1: Well, we. I, a lot of people, obviously, we focus on the devil and his, what he does. Obviously, Christ is king and he's going to conquer the devil. Uh, but we, And we see him outside the church,
4: but a lot of people don't talk about what he's doing inside the church.
1: Um, what is he up to, and, and how do we conquer him?
4: There's a wonderful book out there. I don't know if you've ever heard Dr. Ralph Martin. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan. Mm. And in his last book he wrote, um, Church in Crisis, mm-hmm. he talked about how the devil has made his inroads. And, and, and he always has from the beginning, starting with Judas. Yes. So as it is, there was a perfect church where you know there wasn't the influence of the devil somewhere around, um, but he pointed out two things that really have grabbed a hold of the church. One of them is universalism, mm-hmm. which is basically a belief that everybody goes to heaven.
5: Yeah. Oh.
4: Um, there's a tangent one that either you go to heaven or your soul's destroyed. So there's nobody in hell because those souls got destroyed. Mm. Um, Which kind of goes against the you know the nature of the soul, yeah, Mm. and that's effective because then morality doesn't matter
0: Mm -hmm.
4: because nothing matters. God is going to accept you in, or you're not going to exist. So what is the point?
2: Yeah,
0: of a
4: moral life, Mm -hmm. and when you add that to the other one, and that has been that the church has not handled well the sexual revolution. You know, uh, St. Paul VI cried with Humanae Vitae and he got laughed out of the room by bishops and by theologians. Mm -hmm. And if you read Humanae Vitae, he he was prophetic about what was going to happen with the conscious of mentality and everything that would go with it. And a lot of pulpits and chanceries are very quiet Mm -hmm. when it comes to anything to do with sexual morality. You know whether it's the aforementioned cohabitation, use of sexuality in any capacity outside of um, marriage, the scourge pornography. You know you can go on and on about things that were quiet on, and that silence kind of is giving tacit approval. And then you throw in the scandals that we've been enduring for the last. You know, 20 years, but really the activity goes way back before Vatican II, and everything screams that we don't believe this stuff. Hmm. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Martin said in his book was that most Catholics, including the clergy and the bishops, are functioning universalists.
5: Hmm. Wow. wow,
4: because you never hear about hell, you never hear about judgment, you yeah. never yeah. hear about moral sin yes. or confession you know any of these things so, so it gives fair. the impression that you know do as you will um which i think is a line from the satanic bible oh, yeah.
1: i mean at, at most funerals right we assume the person's going to heaven is one of my biggest pet peeves like no <laughs> you know and i always tell everybody please put a sign on my gravestone pray for this guy he needs the help <laughs>
4: well as you're talking I, I, Abby, about, Priest that I, I was assigned at my funeral, I said, if the homilist brings up my name without the words pray for yes. in front of it more than three times, he's, they have some kind of, of uh, zapper and just <laughs> done. <laughs> 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 uh, I make a point, for example, is I don't wear white at funerals. Hmm. I always wear purple because of that understanding of penance and that understanding uh. of time of waiting. And then Jesus. I will bring up. Him concepts we need to pray for these people you know they're you know that's what we do for those in purgatory is we pray for them and we wait as that final purgation happens
1: i mean it's a disservice to say that they're in heaven unless we're at mother Teresa's funeral okay a little bit different john paul ii but please like if we're all assuming the person's in heaven and no one's praying for the person Wow, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: not go, what the church teaches.
0: I want to go back a second to that universalism. Yeah, you know when you're describing it, all I could think about is like, okay, if, if if you're either going to heaven or you're just not going to exist anymore, that just takes all the consequences out. There mm-hmm. are no consequences. Right. So isn't that the same mentality we have with cohabitation or contraception or abortion? It's all there's. Right. We're trying to remove the consequences from our lives remove for the hell action. As an option, yeah. So when we don't right. talk about hell. No, it doesn't exist anymore. No, mm-hmm. the devil doesn't exist anymore. I
1: wish they were right. Well,
0: <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, but they <laughs> would just give you freedom to just do whatever yeah, you want to do. Happiness. <laughs> and that's why I so
4: very few, few people go to confession. Yes. Huh. You know, if there is no morality, there is nothing to confess. There is no right, there is no wrong, and everything's completely relative. It's what I feel is mm-hmm. the truth. You know,
2: <clears throat> I, I recently you know, heard someone talking about how you know we lived together before we got married we got married it was no different we're telling people ask us you know how's married life it's no different yeah and that's a huge sign that's yeah it it seems like that that is just that relativism just washes out it it tries to take away the joy of the truth Mm. to discredit it and say there's no point in it
0: that's yeah what's the point Mm-hmm. Yeah. With relativism, I don't get the point of relativism. What's the point? Yeah, right. There is no tr- I mean, it basically, take. there is no truth. Yeah, yeah. Relativism- but if there's
4: no truth, you have the society that we have, which is pure chaos. Hmm. That's right. You know, chaos is a byproduct of relativism.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And it's a sure sign that the devil is at work. Hmm. So when you see all the chaos in our society, all the chaos in our church, you know, going back to your question, how do we see the devil in the church? Is the chaos mm-hmm. that is happening mm-hmm. and the polarization that is happening? Mm.
2: Isn't it true there is a polarization in the church? Um, do you see? Uh, I don't know if if you can share. There's no like seal of confession I sign was here. Probably the same thing you're going to ask. Uh, but
1: <laughs> are people repenting of these sexual sins? So that's what I was thinking. I mean, because we know that Our Lady of Fatima said that's the number one. Reason why people are going to hell is because of the sexual sins. Are are you seeing, you know, reveal what you hear in confession, but are people repenting of these and and change and conversion?
4: I'm seeing it more among the younger. Praise God. Good. Um, I think the older is because they've so long accepted it. And when I bring it up, it comes across as an anomaly.
5: Hmm. You know, this Hmm. is just
4: this old fashioned priest that's coming Hmm. in. Bringing back all this pre-Vatican II nonsense, and just like no, this is what we've always believed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wow. so that's why backing up with what we see in Scripture, what we see in the Catechism.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, none of this went away. We just quit teaching it.
0: Mm-hmm. We were talking about this earlier. Is like the new evangelization is not about reaching out and bringing in non-Catholics. It's evangelizing Catholics. We got to start that. Right. Yeah. They don't know what the Church actually teaches, and most people leave for or for misconceptions of what they think the Catholic Church teaches. right?
4: Or, I think most of them leave because we don't teach anything. Yes. And we don't have a backbone, like come, you said. Yes. Yeah. We just come across as milk coast mm. and why bother?
2: Yep. It's so true. Like, even, like, going through... Like, the the time of beginning of COVID, you see all these Protestant preachers like, I ain't shutting my church down, you know, I'm we're, right. we're here, uh, we're standing strong. I rarely saw that within the Catholic Church. That's just my experience, but... Yeah.
4: See, I was blessed. Our bishop, um, when it um, came out, you know, the six weeks, you know, we didn't have public masses, but he said, sure. do not lock your churches, and Father, you better be in the confessional every day. Wow. Uh, and... You better be making sure that your parishioners in your town is being taken care of. So we take six week vacation. Yeah, I can't say all my brethren paid attention to it, but a lot of them did. Good. So we never had. I I mean, yes, people certainly and and for good reason missed mass. You know, missed having sure. But you know. We we're among the first that reopened our doors. We were the first in our state that got rid of social distancing, got rid of mask mandates. Uh, our bishop has forbade priests to ask about the vaccine status of anybody Good. when it comes to um, whether we serve them or not.
2: Yeah. What an awesome so place let me, to let me, shepherd. Yeah, let wow. me just mm-hmm. make a disclaimer that uh, I, I own nursing homes. Okay, so I get it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and and I understand that there's there's. Uh, seriousness to it Thanks for sharing all that In, in the climate that we're in You know uh, <clears throat> Everything that I just heard Was awesome mm-hmm. Just to say like We can't stop the sacraments The world is not going to Stop the church So let's not be The initiators And the, right. and the propagators mm-hmm. Of that
4: And you don't give The devil six weeks Free rate.
2: Yeah mm-hmm. Right Because he ain't quitting <laughs> He's not stopping seconds, no. Let alone six weeks Yeah, yeah he's not shutting <laughs> down his projects so. <laughs> <Yeah>. There you <laughs> go Ain't it the truth? Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yep. Keep going. No, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> go. So, again, like, give us some hope. Uh, so we're laymen, you know, fathers. But, you know, I, when I Googled your name, I hear all these articles and videos about pumping up fathers and getting them to be solid Catholics. So, again, give us some, you know, ex, you know. Pump us advice.
5: up.
2: <laughs> pump us up. Okay. <laughs> Want to pump you up. Yeah. <laughs> grab a whiskey. Grab a cigar. Yeah, <laughs> be a man.
4: But it's you know, it's funny. There's the words right there. Be a man. You yeah. know, I think, we think everything is so far beyond us that you know we're so far gone that we can't turn the ship, uh. and we can. It, it's one choice at a time. I was talking to somebody last night who was wanting to come back to the church, and she asked me, "How do I begin?" And I said, "One choice at a time." Yeah, you know, it, it's praying when you want to be angry with somebody it's pushing yourself when you don't want to and it's allowing yourself to be challenged and challenging yourself you know i will use the spiritual life i'll use an analogy of weightlifting. you know when you challenge the muscles they grow if you don't they go into atrophy Hmm. and because they've gone into atrophy doesn't mean they can't grow again
2: oh yeah muscle Mm -hmm. memory is real
4: but you have to re-engage. And so my message is basically re-engage. Hmm. And don't wait for, and don't make the excuses that, you know, my pastor doesn't say this or I'm not hearing this in church. Re-engage. Hmm. And one of the reasons, you know, I'm, I write the books and do the social media I, I do is like, okay, here's a priest that's saying it. You can't say nobody's saying it. Yeah, and there are other priests out there that are saying the same thing
5: Sure,
4: um, I'm lucky that I'm in a diocese where the bishop's okay with that I, I know mm-hmm. priests that are in other dioceses and bishop's not okay with it mm-hmm. and has taken away their faculties Wow.
5: Um,
4: but you know they press on anyway and mm-hmm. that idea of just pressing on encourage pressing on knowing that we might lose a battle once in a while but we, not, we shouldn't forget who wins the war Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: As you say yeah. this, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's Jesus in the garden, just over your right shoulder.
4: No, that is um, the seven. Um, it's from the Book of Revelation, the seven lampstands. Mm. Oh, yeah. So if, you can't see it, but um, the sword is coming out of his mouth, and so oh. you have the seven lampstands. Oh. So I always I have art scattered oh. around my um, rectories because I live in both places that make me look and reflect. And so that one reminds me of, you know, that there is judgment Mm -hmm. and that I'm responsible for the way that I pastor my church. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in my weight room, I have the last judgment from the Sistine Chapel, just to remind myself. And on the other wall, the creation of Adam. That all things have a beginning and an end, and that end, we're responsible for what we did from that beginning. Mm-hmm. So,
2: <coughs> absolutely, that's good. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, I, I I was seeing that, thinking what I was thinking, and just thinking that even Jesus was—he uh, had to go uh, to prayer to say, "Take this cup from me." You know, even right? in his flesh, uh, he—it's—it's it's like you know, you want to give up. But then God just pours in you, even at that moment uh, when you're at your weakest.
4: Yeah, and it's—I think it's in the Passion of the Christ. And correct me if I'm wrong—that there's a scene where the devil is trying to convince Jesus they're not, the people aren't worth it. Yep. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh-huh.
4: And it just sees this scene of war and violence, stuff done in His name,
5: mm-hmm.
4: as to say, "Don't go through with this. They're not worth it." Yeah. Hmm. Wow! And he knows that and presses on anyway. Yes, right. right, absolutely. You
1: always have your eyes on the mission. You're going to be right. okay. It, but
4: and if we keep our eyes on the mission mm-hmm. and keep pressing ahead, yes. In the book, um, I liken everything to a spiritual. To, I use the um, basically the terminology and the vocabulary of war. Uh, you know, which Saint Paul does in I. I You know, when he talks about the shields and the armor, it is this idea that we need a man up and and get out on the field of battle.
2: Yes. So if we're on on the battlefield with Christ, you know, talking about uh, the passion, I'm thinking now that we're in Lent while we're having this conversation, uh, when Jesus was tempted all those times, he finally ended up saying, go away. And he did. Right. The devil <laughs> left. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all it takes for him, right?
4: Well, I think it's St. Peter and his epistle tells us the same thing. You know, tell the devil to leave and you'll put him to flight. Yeah. So we can win this, yes. but mm. we can't win unless we're going to engage.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's and so
4: what the book is about is engagement it's, you know, looking at where the devil does have a toehold or even a foothold in your life and how do you push back. So a lot of it is adapting virtue. A lot of it is prayer,
5: mm-hmm.
4: um, and especially a devotion to the Blessed Mother.
5: Yes, yeah,
4: you know. So the weapon, you know, yeah, the weapon, the use of fasting and abstinence. not just during Lent, but throughout the year. Yes,
5: mm-hmm.
0: I find and, it. I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting or discouraging. I'm afraid y'all decide. But you know, here we're talking about we need to man up. We're in a spiritual warfare. We need to. Uh, you know, be the men are the most influential to the family member. You know, as far as uh, of the faith being passed on to our kids, and what is the culture trying to do? Yeah, demasculize. Oh yeah, demasculinize. Did I say yeah,
4: that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to. Well, the camp I founded, I, I called it Camp Mackie for a reason because yeah. you know, he was a man. <laughs> That's masculine. <laughs> you know, the Greeks were trying to eliminate Judaism altogether. Yeah. And were succeeding, and it wasn't until Matthias and his sons stood up That's right. and put everything on the line that everything got reversed. Mm-hmm. And so, what we need is young men who will stand up, learn what they need to do, and will be those priests and those husbands and those dads that they need to be, and do, you know, when they enter that phase of their life.
1: And they willing and so, to die for the faith too. Because when I was in the classroom, I mean, I taught lots of kids over the years. When I say, would you be willing to die for the faith? A couple of kids, but not the majority. No. And we have to be able to. The rest of Maccabees, people are getting martyred and dying for the faith. I mean, fight. They're they're coming
2: out of the hills, out of the mountains, out, you know, in the Maccabee. (laughs) Maccabee,
4: The question I would ask is, is some of those kids, before I had asked that question, is, are you willing to die for your spouse? Are you willing to die for children? You know, if you're a priest, are you willing to die for your parishioners? Mm-hmm. You know? Because if they're not even there, then the idea of dying for the faith, yeah,
1: that's
4: just is Well,
2: I mm-hmm. think it's because you, you're close to them and you're connected to them, just to simplify it. And uh, they know their kids. They know their spouse. So the question is, do you know the Lord? Mm. <laughs> do you know your Savior? Well, I savior? think there's
0: that fear factor. Nobody wants to die a terrible death. Nobody wants to be tortured. You know, so there's that fear, fear value of it, too, but... Aren't we supposed to die to ourselves? Yeah. You know, we sure. die for our, our wives and our for our kids. Yeah. We we sacrifice the things that we want and put their needs above ours. You know, right. so we sh- we should be dying daily. Yes, amen. <laughs> and, and
4: doing it joyfully. I one of the right. images that I will use. and I think I use it in the book is a story from the Civil War. Um, Admiral Farragut was um, going into Mobile Bay uh, to take over Mobile, and there were mines that were lacing um, the bay. And Farragut sees them, and there's a famous line that comes out of that. And his response was, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. (laughs) And
2: That's like, uh, burn your ships, here we go. Yep, yeah. There's no turning back. That
4: that speaks to the nobility. I'm really convinced that Every boy wants to grow up a hero. I think that's why things like the MC universe are so popular. This idea that we can be heroic and mm-hmm. you know things like the you know, MCU and DC—I mean, it's way over the top. I mean, nobody has those kind of superpowers. Sure, but that idea of being the hero, I think, needs to be nurtured and brought out because I think you know in this culture, as you said, we're busy emasculating. We're telling the boys to be good, sit down, shut up.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And my message over the last 25 years has been the opposite. stand up, be counted, and move forward.
5: Mm-hmm. Be heroic.
4: Well, And I think boys and men, they they respond to that. And I think women do too. But that's what the women are looking for.
1: Yes.
4: You know, they're tired of overgrown boys. I've done enough wedding preps and uh, marriage counseling to know that a lot of times, you know, the young lady will marry a Mm fixer-upper. And I've also done enough moments to know that that time in the rough is going to stay in the rough. You know, Mm -hmm. you marry And so appealing to the young men, okay, you need a man, you need a man. You've got to put the, you know, the game controller down and move forward.
2: Yes. Yes. It's interesting to see some of the, the, you know, like on news and whatnot, uh, fighting these these guys, uh, fighting for these causes that are uh, socially acceptable, mm. and so they'll get out there and they'll you know throw chairs through windows and hold up signs and scream and yell and do all these things that that you know it's it's a um, it's like a, a false um, way to fulfill that yeah, desire right. to fight for something, right?
4: Right. And that's what the culture promotes is this idea of if you're going to be brave and courageous then do it for our our leftist policies Mm. (laughs) yeah and kind of the you know adopt the kind of old 60s hippies you know resist authority
2: that you know it's interesting i'm glad you said that that's exactly what i see it to be Mm -hmm. it's just a kind of a you know the history repeating itself really
1: or all heresies always come
4: back to some different name or (laughs) Right.
2: Ecclesiastes, right? Nothing new under the sun. There you go. Right.
4: <laughs> and so if we're being silent in the midst of that, we're giving permission for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. And
4: you know, shocking when you're talking about these groups that were out there um, raising all this havoc. Church authorities were more likely to agree with them than to say, no, you're you're committing evil. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're burning people's
2: businesses and homes down. You're killing people. Mm, no yeah. it's not good it's not okay so. yeah uh, it's frustrating so I like,
1: I like how you mentioned the book the devil calls you by your sin and god
2: calls you by your name right
4: Truth. I, we need to i, I to use to, that a lot of times in the confessional and telling people who are having a hard time forgiving themselves and they seem to dwell on them like once you bring it to confession, you're asking God to forgive it, which means that he no longer holds it against you. If you're going to let him say that that's what you want, then you can't hold it against you yourself. Hmm. And they'll say, but I still, I'm just like, that's the devil talking to you. He always wants you to stay in your sin. Mm-hmm. And he'll call you by your sin instead of um, by your name. Christ will. Christ, you know, calls us by our name.
2: Yeah, it's hmm. awesome. It's, it's, yeah, it seems so... Uh...
0: In other words, it's not who you are. You know, that devil calls you by your sin, but that's not who you are. God calls you by who you are. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it's that's it's very true, and I think we could probably all relate to that. You know, we asked our parish priest. You know, uh, well, just I've heard many priests say. Yeah, if you're repeating the same sins, you're you're in normal company. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, welcome we, we, to
0: the group. <laughs> and at least but, you're not committing different ones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but at
2: least we, you know, this helps shed some light on why maybe we struggle with this because the devil's you know whispering these weaknesses back into your ear to mm-hmm. try to this combat the sacrifice. This
1: yeah. is who you are. Yeah. Yeah. This Importance of confession to get that grace to kick him to the curb.
2: Yes,
5: right. and,
4: and as far as confession, I think as Father Chad Rippinger remarks yeah. that. Confession is more powerful than an exorcism. Yes. And pushing back the devil. And getting people to understand, yes, they're saying the same thing over and over again. But I'll say, look back when you start bringing this to God. So, and I'll use an example from my own life. I used to have a wicked temper. Hmm. So, you know, 30 years ago when I would talk about, you know, anger, I was talking about a bar fight. Hmm. Uh Now, when I say anger, I'm talking about that moment flash when somebody cuts me off on track. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that, you know, I'm, I'm making hand gestures to them, or mouthing things to them. It's just like that that little flash. And I, and I tell you, it, it's not because I finally grew up. Because there are a lot of guys my age that are mm-hmm. still part-fighting.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So it's that idea of I kept going to God over and over again and bringing this and saying, help me with this. And he does. Mm-hmm. So... In as far as you know, spiritual combat goes, it's not a one and done thing. Mm, you know, sure. these are we're going to struggle because the devil knows where to hit you.
5: Mm-hmm. He knows your
4: weaknesses. He knows your favorite sins, and he knows where you're going to rationalize.
3: And so it's real.
4: building up those breaches in the wall. And you know, people will say, "I keep praying for patience," and these, you know, and you know, people are still doing this. I'm like, you can't, you know. Build patience unless, you know, it's being challenged. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. And then one of the other things I bring up almost in every chapter is humility. And that's really Mm -hmm. the base of being honest Mm -hmm. about who we are before God and being Mm -hmm. honest about our sins because then we can do something with it. Then we can bring them to God for forgiveness and for healing. Until we reach that humility, and this society really hates humility. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so it's true. wrapped in that. So if anybody say, "Where do I start?" cultivate humility.
2: That's awesome, and you know I, I really appreciate it. Maybe this whole segment was for me because um, <laughs> no. just as you talked about that, uh, well, it's giving God credit for actually, um, you know, you said you turned back to God when you, you right. went from bar fights to moments of well, you growing, know, flash of anger. Yeah, it, right. and I sit here and think, and you know, what? building on nature gosh, I have gotten better, you know, and, and I don't want to give myself that credit. Because of God's grace. Yeah. Great. goodness. <laughs> so that's we'll awesome. always make us better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Maybe I did meet him in the middle, and I did do something right. You know, <laughs> I thing. think that is
0: one of the greatest benefits that we don't take advantage of in the confessional is that do we look back and see how we have grown away from, maybe we're still committing that sin, but to a degree less, yes. much less than it was when you were in bar fights, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and without
2: the confessional. And where
1: you would where have been we, if you have not
2: been going. That's what, without so the confessional. Like, i I remember
1: how I was in college, and now I am today. Yeah, there's some progress there. Some sure, progress.
2: go God. <laughs> yeah. Always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've, you've got the books going on. you got your parishes going on. Uh, you're involved at the school. I'm sure you're doing other things that are not written in this book. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Uh, so you're a busy man. Thanks for your time with us today.
0: Um, I'm sure free time is extremely limited.
4: Yeah, Saturday night or Saturday mornings is kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: here you took out time to visit with us. Yeah. We really Thank appreciate you. that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, your penance this yeah. Lent with us has been uh, recognized. <laughs> oh, and, uh, so you've got your books. Uh, what's your social media platform? Where the heck can we find
4: can you? you Facebook? Okay, um, I'm a bit of a luddite when it comes to things like Instagram. I mean, I have it, but I've never used it. Um, I tried Snapchat and just <laughs> couldn't get into it. So. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't. Since it. I'm over fifty, I get to say, okay, I'll do Facebook, and that's good. So. <laughs> like,
1: uh, yeah. And you have Grace Force, right? That's the show. Grace you know? Force.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I'll be on podcast with Father Heilman once in a while, so. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Great. Well, that's great, Father. We sure do appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and uh, give us some of your insight.
4: Grace Force, the book can be gotten through their website, Roman Catholic Gear.
2: Great. Roman Catholic
0: Gear. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. We'll
2: we'll be sure to post it in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, Father, for spending some time with us today. Please
1: pray for us, and we'll pray for you.
2: Yeah. Agreed. All (laughs) right. We'll take care.
0: In the meantime, be bold. Be real. Be Catholic.
2: God God bless. bless.